Hello, it's Joseph Michelli. Oh, I said I'm live streaming soon, but I'm actually live streaming now. Let's get that out of there. I'm here. Here I am, right behind my own banner. Uh, good to see you. Hey, I was supposed to have a guest. This is two weeks in a row, and this is a great sign that I don't have guests. Let me explain why. Uh, this week, we're supposed to have Sarah Michelle, who's going to join me, a good buddy, been around with me for a while. Actually, it's Roger Brooks this week. Sarah Michelle's coming up soon, but the point of the matter is all these folks are starting to get busy in ways that they can't make the interview, which I think is fabulous, uh, because there was a time when you could you could probably get anybody to drop in on your live stream because they were having a lot more time on their hands. So it's exciting to see that people are getting out and doing you know events or having a powerful impact on on their lives and hopefully making some revenue along the way. So now. Uh, Blessings to them. And that means you're stuck with me. So here we go. Um, here's what I plan to do today. And I'd love to get you to participate. We'll do a little interactive stuff, you and me. Um, and it starts with this. I mean, I titled today when I found out that uh, that we're going to be a, sh a change of plans. And, and thanks for those of you who changed time with me too, by the way, today. Um, I normally live stream this at 1230 Eastern time. But one of my clients actually um, is out of Boulder, Colorado. And given what happened in Boulder this week, um, it, I just was not going to be disruptive to something, a time that they needed for me to be available to them. So we shifted around. I appreciate your, your, uh, your flexibility with that as well. All right. So here, uh, here's how you can play along at home uh, or wherever you are uh, mobily uh, today. Uh, I titled this, um, The Customers Forever Changed, right? So the notion is that the pandemic has changed the way customers interact with brands. And so I kind of did that knowingly and maybe even a, oh, hopefully a little clickbait in there, right? I mean, in the notion of forever changed, get real, Joseph. I mean, get real. Forever changed? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, is there anything forever in, in customer behavior? Uh, I was on a call earlier today with a client of mine who's contemplating whether or not to keep salad bars or not, right? Like that's an issue that's happening in, in supermarkets. It's happening in restaurants, uh, restaurant chains that are designed on buffet or self-service. They're wondering what the future of it is. Is the consumer forever changed and not wanting salad bars? Kind of a interesting and important question, I think. Um, and really, here's the loaded part of it. How do we know forever? If you'd have told me in December 2019 that Sweet Tomatoes would be out of business because of a airborne, airborne submicroscopic organism, right? That the CDC doesn't necessarily link to foodborne illness, right? I would have said, no way. Consumers, the people who love buffets, love buffets. Golden Corral, they love Golden Corral, right? It's not going to be, they're not going to change their behavior because of a airborne submicroscopic organism. Well, I mean, it's not even them that initially changed the behavior, right? It was the government closing down a lot of those things. You can't go refresh your own drink in a, in a, uh, 
quick service restaurant necessarily these days, anything that involves an individual going in and collecting their food items, that's kind of passe. You can't go to a salad bar and sweep them all out and they put in other uh, revenue generating items in the, in the set. So the point I'm trying to get at here is I don't think there is a forever in consumer behavior. Consumer behavior is driven by lots of other factors. Uh, clearly, the success of Amazon has changed consumer behavior. I love Main Street, but when Main Street isn't available, guess what? I have to kind of look at other options for my shopping convenience, my shopping access, right? So, so clearly we know at some, some level there is no forever in the change, but there are some pretty interesting trends right now going on in terms of the way customers are behaving. And my goal today is to talk about some of those trends. So let me put it out there. Do you believe there is a forever in consumer behavior? I mean, you might say it's like death and taxes. Those are the guaranteed forevers, right? Um, do you believe there's a forever in the consumer behavior space? And if so, what has forever changed? And you might say, well, here's what's forever changed, Joseph. People are looking for increased convenience. I think that's a trend, right? And it's probably a trend that'll go on and on and on. But are we forever going to make choices for convenience over choices for people? Some will, some won't. All right, let's, uh, let's get your answer. Is there a forever in consumer behavior. You can type it in the comments if you're joining us on, on live streams for LinkedIn or for Facebook or for YouTube. Type it into the chat. Love to get your thoughts on that. Now, of the things that are trending differently, post-pandemic, as a result of behavior throughout the pandemic, that I think is of interest. And there's a lot of research going on right now, getting inside of the heads of consumers, inside of the emotional lives of consumers, and watching the behaviors of consumers. And as those trends manifest, it means we have to do some things differently in the way we respond to consumer needs. And I think that's what customer experience is all about, right? It's like understanding what customers want, need, and desire, translating a response to those wants, needs, and desires, realizing that there is great impermanence to it all that we're all, maybe that's the beauty of it all, really, is that nothing is permanent. It, I always think of Groundhog Day, right? If, if the day is the same over and over again, this is a pretty unexciting day. No matter what you want to try to do with it, it's unexciting to have things be permanent. And maybe it's the impermanence of things. Maybe it's the transience of things. Maybe it's the dramatic evolution of things that makes life so exciting and terrifying all at the same time. So your thoughts on if there is anything that is unchanged, and then let's get into the research. So here's the two major groups of researchers that I want to talk about today and some of the findings that they're reporting. But if you live life like me, you're kind of a data nerd, right? So you pay a lot of attention to the data. You're trying to figure out what of the data is actually a trend, what of the data is an aberration, where is the signal, where is the noise? So. What are Accenture and Bain and company finding from large data sets of consumer observation, large data sets of directing consumer inquiry, large data sets of inferring emotionality of customers based on behavior and analytics. So here's, here's some of the stuff. We're gonna go into them today. And these are findings that I think are becoming <laughs> irrefutable. 
There is a shift to online, partly out of necessity, clearly, but partly out of convenience. So uh, that's not going away. If you don't have some ability for people to engage your services and offerings through an online uh, opportunity, you're probably missing the boat. As much as you can adapt your offerings to online consumption, the better off you're going to be. Doesn't mean we're going to stay online. It uh, doesn't mean we're not going to have a dramatic reverse interaction. We got a lot of pent up demand for in person. So we're probably going to have a, a period uh, here after people feel safer, post vaccinated, whatever the world looks like in, a, in what is considered a post pandemic when we no longer consider us part of a global pandemic. We're going to probably see a, a burgeoning of face to face for a period of time. But online is going to still be there. So it may be right up here. And now we're getting this real resurgence of human stuff and online is going to still be there. And probably after that pent up demand settles out, you could expect that online is going to have a established presence. It's not going to lose its foothold on society. And I mean that in my world where a lot of the service I provided before the pandemic was to large groups or to senior leadership teams or whatever it might be, I imagine a percentage of that is going to continue to stay online and a percentage of that will return in the face-to-face -face space. So I think that's what we're, we know there's no doubt the empirical data is in uh, consumers. Even when the lockdown stopped, a lot of the behaviors that were established during lockdown maintain themselves after the lockdown, partly out of fear of contagion and other things. But even as that fear wanes, I think we're going to see online is here to stay. And it was, it was surging up long before the pandemic. Anyway, some brands didn't get the clue and they got caught flat footed. Other brands were in transition. Some brands were fully uh, enabled when it came to, to their online function. All right. So what else is true? Priorities of consumers have shifted. All right. So what does that mean? It means that in the old days, uh, there were a lot of frivolous purchases, a lot of discretionary purchases. Now, for a short period of time, again, with a glut in, in coffers, I, I saw something in trillions of dollars of savings uh, that people have amassed in the context of, of the pandemic. And that's not to say there isn't a whole section of our population that has almost no income and is living kind of near the edge and and loss of jobs and other things, even the stimulus is not going to rescue. All of that said, we believe for a period of time, there are coffers and that there will be some crazy wild expending expenditures going on here. Again, through the pent up demand, when people can resurface more of their normal lifestyle, meaning the lifestyle that happened before the pandemic. So that I think is pretty well established. But once that gets leveled off, right? And we are at a point where some of the cash reserves for some of the folks are not there. Uh, we're likely to see um, see a retraction around certain items and priorities in life. And the fact that people have some coffers is because they have already, when they went into the crisis panic mode, said, oh my gosh, what can I cut back on so that I can create a cash reserve? And so you saw lots of people going, when was the last time I used that subscription service? I mean, I just renew it automatically. Is it really, do I get joy and value out of it? Or is it now just kind of a, a habitual deduction from my, my uh, account? And so I think the, the prioritization has changed. And, and what people are looking to, I mean, kind of some of the things that they shifted from, and I'll just look at the, the you know, some of the research from, from Accenture, which said essentially they shifted from a perspective of 
items that, that really were not all that much about, you know, the necessities of life. And they went back to more motivations around uh, necessities. So we'll get into that. Let me go really quickly, though, and bring in Joe, who's kindly responded to uh, uh, some of the stuff we're talking about. Looking forward to whatever may provide insights that help. Thank you, Joe. Well, let's let's keep looking for these insights then, Joe. Let's look at what um, what some of these folks have said. So I was gonna kind of pull out directly the Bain version of what customers are wanting on this. So give me one second. So things like apparel uh, are an example, but here's what Accenture said. Um, Accenture said, consumer priorities have become centered on the most basic needs. Sending demand for hygiene, cleaning, staples, soaring, while non-essential categories slump. And then they used uh, apparel as a category of slump. So let's let's talk about that for just a minute. Um, obviously, I am wearing pants. I probably should stand up to show you that. But a lot of people <laughs> did not during the course of the pandemic. And uh, I understand that... that uh, Jeans uh, sales went down substantially, and more stretchy uh, recreation clothing or you know pajama type clothing really were on the rise. Um, we know that the Maslowian hierarchy plays a huge part in priority shifts. Uh, items that are going to keep me safe, I, items that are going to keep me healthy, items that uh, that are going to help me um, manage my life as a necessity. Those are the things that people prioritize. Oh, but by the way, they also prioritize a whole bunch of unhealthy items that are going to nurture me, to help me feel better emotionally because of brain triggers that alcohol or chocolate or any sugary sweet items might have for us. So we're gonna to go to some comfort items that may not be absolutely essential and frankly may not be even healthy, but they are coping items so comfort coping as well as staples essentials health and hygiene kinds of items so we saw the, the prioritization shift i think the broader issue on this is a focus on the essentials while we may do some frivolity with uh, the the war chest of monies that may have been built up over this time when some of that wanes we are going to start asking more and more why do we do this again? Why do I spend money on that again? Is it really as valuable or was it more impulsive? Was it compulsive? I just kept doing it because I'd always done it. So expect to see more of a thoughtful questioning of what is your value proposition to me? Is it worth it to me? A little more conscious awareness because we've had this moment. And you see it you know, in the, the post-depression families who went through extreme economic crisis and the frugality of some of those folks long after the depression, right? Reusing aluminum foil or whatever some of the behaviors they had in that time. All right, I'm looking for your comments as well. What are you seeing and what do you think are, if not permanent shifts in consumer behavior, significantly likely trends to last? What do you think? Um, I'd love to get some of your thoughts on that reprioritization today. All right, let me uh, let me give you some of the other ones that, that uh, the studies and the research are starting to suggest when it comes to uh, changes. Uh, this was happening a bit before on the socially conscious side. Uh, it's kind of increased. Uh, we're seeing because there was so much human suffering, because it wasn't just a pandemic, there were many 
social unrest, social injustice issues happening that continue to be out forefront uh, in life. And so increasingly consumers are saying we want to do business with socially conscious businesses. Um, all things being equal, we want to deal with somebody who is giving back and not just taking and has giving back with a conscience and who has a commitment to something greater than the profit margin. So this is increasing, I think, brands who are not responsive to social issues, who are not active in social media talking about their commitment to something, let's say it's it's diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, then I think you're gonna see you're gonna see some pushback from that. And then it's not just the talk, it is the actions that support the talk. If you're not seeing diverse boards, if you're not seeing diversity in the leadership, I think you're gonna this is gonna change the appetite for consumers to deal with brands that are uh, blind to social issues uh, is going to decrease. And I think that's well documented from the research of Accenture and, and Bain and Company. And then local, this is uh, often the contradictions that you see in consumer behavior, right? On the one hand, we want, <laughs> we want things at our doorstep. Can't get much more local than that, but we know that the provider of that is a brand that is based in Seattle, right? Even if we're not in Seattle, it's not local to us, but we're okay to support Amazon because we know uh, that Amazon makes for a safe and convenient experience and we're willing to look the other way on the impact that might have on Main Street. At the same time, there's a pull to support our local community, knowing that if store after store after store closes on Main Street, employment in our community is affected, the quality of our life is affected. The attractiveness of our communities are affected. I, the, the reality is that we're seeing consumers who are articulating a desire to shop local and shop Amazon. So the realization is you may be messaging to your community about how important the local is. You may be wanting to source locally. You may want to cr create as much of a local supply chain that supports the local community and message that to people because clearly consumers, that's a resonant idea with consumers. All right, so uh, another one. This is probably the big, 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 big one, right? Um, consumers are vulnerable right now and they have been vulnerable for a long time. Their nerve endings are closer to the surface and brands that don't realize that and, and swagger around with sharp edges bumping into them are tolerated less, right? So brands need to soften up the way they interact with consumers. And I think in many, 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 many ways, um, we need to acknowledge the vulnerability of the people that we're serving. So that's a key message. We're gonna go to, Bosca's got some comments here. I think people uh, will become even more pricky, picky. I said prickly, I was back at the vulnerable. Picky as to which brand really resonates with their own values in life as opposed to choosing brands only on quality. My take. Ah, brilliant take, Vasca. You can share your take anytime if it's going to be that brilliant. I, um, so yeah, let's take that for a second. That It gets to a little bit to that, that socially conscious issue, right? Um, because socially conscious brands, even if I disagree with them, I, I say this a lot, like I have worked for very different brands, right? I mean, I worked with uh, the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company at a time when they were very, very conservative, like super conservative. Um, could we serve you beer in a bottle? Or was that beneath the grand gravitas of the brand? And then I've worked with brands on the other side, Starbucks, socially liberal. Um, you know, I've been there 
and both. And I, I can tell you that I've always been a person who's suggested whether I agree with Chick-fil-A, which has a very conservative mindset and you know, is, closed on, is closed on Sundays, for example, or I work with a Starbucks. I like both brands because they have values. Uh, and I can choose whether the product resonates with me and I can also choose whether the values resonate with me, but almost all the time I choose brands that have values over brands that are, I just don't get it. Um, so I will go to Chick-fil-A and I will go to Starbucks, you know, cause I think both brands stand for something. Um, there are some people who will only go to one or the other because what they stand for aligns with what they believe. But I would take a risk to stand for something than stand for nothing in the market today. You may alienate a whole bunch of people, but even those you alienate from your ideological perspective frequently respect the fact that you stand for something and they probably would choose you over a brand that stands for nothing. So I love what, love, 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 love what you just said, Vasca. And I think it's definitely trending. Joe, you've got so much on here. You wiped me out on my own screen, but I'm, I'm grateful. I'm not complaining. All right, let's see. Uh, behind Joe's comment, I am reading the following. Virtual expansion with Zoom with calls and some plant tours are good. That came out about uh, to not have to run around the country as before. But as we have recently opened for meetings, on-site and tours are critical or new business. And I see this firsthand. This is needed for a long-term relationship. Nothing replaces being there. Masks still are horrendous where we have difficulty reading people's emotions and responses. Looking forward to practice, no masks or social distancing in conference rooms or areas. All right. So there's some really crazy good stuff in here. So let's take it a little at a time. Without a doubt, in the last three weeks, I'm going to take you off the screen so I can talk to you so you can read my face and it doesn't look like I've got a mask of a, of a banner on my head. Um, let me talk a, a little bit about this virtual expansion. In the last three weeks, I have done paid events in the following countries, Germany, Iceland, and India. Okay, and probably all of Asia Pacific. I think the actual event was launched out of Singapore, but it was true to a predominantly Indian audience. All right, so that was the last three weeks. Spent a lot of time in the middle of the night in the United States doing events in some of these situations, but it's been, it's been fabulous, right? Like virtual expansion. And it's not that I didn't used to travel a lot. I would have had to travel to those locations. I probably would not have done those three events in three consecutive weeks just because of the logistics of it. Um, and I would have been beaten up from the road to make it happen if I chose to do something like that. My point is exactly to Joe's argument. I mean, there's been some virtual expansion stuff here that's been crazy. Um, and with And some plant tours are good that came about to have to run around the country. So that's all good. But his, here's the butt part. As we have recently opened for, for meetings on site and tours are critical for new business. And I see this firsthand. So let's kind of go to that point. Um, yeah. There are some things that as great as this virtual expansion has been, consumers are going to want to kick the tires on. They're going to want to get up close and personal. They're going to want to be able to touch, feel and sense something. And I think something like a plant tour, if you're a new, if you're a new consultant and you're going to want to work for somebody and you're going to try to get a sense of the culture and the business and the operations from a virtual perspective, it's probably not all that workable. Having a meeting to talk about whether or not I should come out and do the virtual tour, surely should be done virtually, right? I mean, the act physical tour it should be done virtually. There are certain, certain meeting kinds of things that consumers are wanting, then they want to use the, the expansion tools of Zoom or whatever. But when it comes to getting a granular understanding of something, 
consumers are going to want a touch feel experience. And, and that's true uh, for those who are providing services as well. All right, let's go to the, the next point after that. But long-term relationships are going to need that kind of you know, knee-to-knee uh, on, the, on the site sort of experience. And then the, the issue of masks and the ability for us to read each other's emotions with masks. So, you know, as physical safety allows for decreased need for face coverings and we can engage people with the fullness of our face, I think that's that's obviously a gift from an emotional perspective. And I think all of us are craving to be able to, to read the emotions of another person's face. It'll always be a comfort level for consumers, I think, as to the degree to which um, they're going to use masks. And if you look at Asia, um, based on prior issues, um, even when there wasn't a pandemic, it was more likely people were going to be wearing masks in, in, in the social square. And I think we will see residual mask wearing even after vaccination, even after CDC. There are going to be a whole bunch of people who are going to burn their masks probably as soon as they're vaccinated, as soon as the CDC says we have herd immunity. There's going to be another group of people that will use an abundance of caution and still have them. So I believe in the marketplace, we'll see some masks still. Uh, and there'll be some of your customers who are going to want to wear masks and are going to feel more comfortable with that. All right, let's go to the vulnerability pieces that I had in some of my messaging. I'll go back to your comments. So anything you want to share and pop up on the screen, we'll bring it up there as well. But let's uh, take a quick couple of uh, loops around and some of the other things that I think we're seeing. Customers are going to tell you, keep me safe. Um, keep me safe. I expect you to keep me safe. And I don't think we heard that intentionally from customers a lot before. It was always implicit in the social contract between a business and a consumer. Now we're going to hear, keep me safe. Uh, and I don't want to do business with companies who don't do that. There'll be a lot of debates about what that looks like, but I think every customer is going to be going, is this a safe place for me to, to participate in business with? Uh, reduce my anxiety. I think people are going to be saying, and this is coming from Bain and company and Accenture Research, so this is not just me. Um, they want us to be a part of calming. Uh, they don't want us to stoke more intense emotionality as a part of their, their experience with us in business. Uh, they don't want us loudly broadcasting messaging to them over the loudspeaker. They kind of want that calming, welcome to our store, peaceful, tranquility, uh, let's just have a great experience sort of messaging. So uh, probably down with the foment, down with the divisiveness, more in the, let's have a, just a peaceful time. Why don't you engage with us as a result of that? Make my life easier. This is part of the move to online, uh, but it's not just online. It's all of the elements of the customer experience that facilitate making life easier. So what is that? That's cashless payment, that's uh, online, uh, online appointment setting, that's ability to make a purchase directly online for products that they would have otherwise had to deal with your salespeople to get a price quote on. It is the ability to, uh, you know, to come in without having to wait in line, uh, all of that. So uh, I think, you know, we're definitely getting the read that make my life easier as a message customers are going to have, I think, for a long, long time. Support my well-being and my lifestyle. So, uh, Build your solutions around my lifestyle. Don't build my solutions around me having to go through your uh, antiquated processes. Uh, I'm less tolerant of you making me go out of my way to do something that, uh, that makes my life more complicated. And life is complicated enough. My life has been disrupted enough. 
please be a facilitator of my lifestyle, not a disruptor of my lifestyle. Connect with me, reach out to me, share content with me, give me something of value, care about me by demonstrating your genuine authentic interest in me, communicate with me authentically, give me a reason to see you as a brand, almost like a person to whom I can build a relationship <clears throat> and who cares about my me in a relationship kind of sense. Uh, a couple other quick findings, be kind. Look, life's hard out there. Help your people make sure they interact with me in a kind way. I need a kind face. I need a kind word. Uh, I need kind eyes. Uh, if I am masked, I need kind eyes. Um, I, I need a sense of you understanding that this has been hard. And it doesn't take a whole bunch more just to be kind to me in that interaction. So be surprisingly kind. Be kind even when you don't need to be kind. Be kind not because it's transactional and it's increasing the probability of a sale. Be kind to me even after I've had something happen to me. You may not be able to accommodate all of my needs, but you can let me know that in a kindly sort of way. That's it for the research that I'm seeing. Any other thoughts from you? I'll, I'll drop them in here real quickly. So if you want to type something in quickly, I'll try to get it in. Uh, before we wrap this up in just a second. Here's one. Let's go to it real quickly. Uh, coming from Vasca. Oh, she just said awesome insights. Thank you, Vasca. Uh, that's, that's, that's kind. See, that's it. That's kind. She took a moment at the end to, uh, to be kind in response. So thank you for that. All right. So uh, let me tell you what's coming up in uh, upcoming shows. Sorry for the change of time today, but I, I, as I indicated earlier, uh, part of my commitment is to helping uh, a group from a part of the world that didn't have kindness today and uh, that had the crazy making behavior of somebody who's obviously, um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Let's uh, let's look at what's coming up in the very near future uh, in our live streams. <laughs> I say this, this is a moving target, right? Uh, because people, lots of things are opening up for people and they're getting opportunities and I'm so grateful uh, for that. Um, but I do wanna make sure that, uh, that I, uh, acknowledge some of the people that are planned to come up. Oops, take the be kind out of there. And um, let's see here. So some of the folks that um, are coming soon is E. Katarina Walter. E is a uh, butt of mine. We work together uh, for clients. She is a marketing genius in terms of brand storytelling. What's your origin story? What's the story of how you came to be? What is the story of your brand? What is the story of your logo? You know, how do you find stories inside of your brand that you can bring to the marketplace to connect with people, for example? Um, she's going to be joining us very soon on that front. Um, Gary Bagley, who's going talk about an incredible brand. He is in charge of New York Cares. They were at the point of the spear when the pandemic uh, rocked the world and activated people to, to change the world, to be on purpose to reach out and be of support to others. Samantha Burns joins us um, on the 15th of next month, tax day in America, but not so much in South Africa, where Samantha Burns will be joining us from. She's part of Brilliant CX. Um, part the cool part about it, Samantha, is she understands all of the emotional uh, soft skills components of CX, but she's developed systems and processes that uh, help you track and deliver uh, with consistency, the customer experience in your organization. So it's going to be fun to have her as part of the journey. Uh, uh, I'm hopping on a plane soon. 
won't say when, but uh, hopping on a plane. So I'm excited to get back to traveling. Uh, and uh, fortunately, all of these guests and all these interactions work within that travel schedule. And I'm excited uh, to be a part of this with you. Thank you for taking what is the most valuable commodity you have, your time, and sharing a little bit of, with me today. We'll see you in a uh, upcoming episode. Oh, by the way, I put a new um, a new ebook together that highlights some of the findings from my book, uh, Stronger Through Adversity. You can go on your, our website, troll around our website for a little bit, you'll get a pop-up that uh, gives you an opportunity to download that ebook. So we'd be honored if you take the time. Thanks very much. Have a great week. We'll see you next week with E. Katrina Walter, uh, assuming that uh, the creeks don't rise and she's able to join us. Otherwise, I'll be here. Um, same, well, not same bat time, same bat station, our traditional bat time, our traditional bat uh, station, which is 1230 Eastern on Thursday. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see you then. Thanks again for being a part of it this week. Mm -hmm.